0: It was home-hooked meals, you know, for, for groups so we could feast together on the farm and people could understand what regenerative agriculture was all about, you know, and why, you know, why people should be buying it and why people should be supporting local farmers.
1: This is The Producers. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Levenvale Farm is a place that nourishes the soil. The plants, the animals, and where farmer Georgina Baker and her husband Sam are rearing the amazing cattle to produce grass fed Bellow beef. A farm that helps build community and bring back localised food systems too.
0: So we're in Bellingen, which is near Coffs Harbour, about 30 minutes inland from Coffs Harbour, on a um, organic beef farm five hundred acres of of um of land f- about five k north of Bellow in a little catchment called Hydes Creek. We came from out west and so we were sort of chasing a bit of rainfall. That's all we were chasing. We didn't realise that bellingen was a touristy town. Um, and what we found was a you know this rundown old dairy farm and um, and that's what appealed to us: some rainfall and uh, and some upside in what we could achieve with with some different grazing management. But what we have identified that Bellingen is a great region for is is for you know is for the um, I don't know the opportunity and and stuff. It's a it's a epicenter of health and wellness and some alternative thinking, I suppose. And we arrived and have have started renovating lots of the infrastructure. The first thing we did was rip out the old dairy because we're not doing dairy cattle and so we sort of repurposed the old dairy into our cattle yards and then um, we've gone ahead and put fencing up on the property, re-fenced a lot of the external boundary fences that were falling down and and broken up paddocks into smaller paddocks so we could, um, you know, graze in higher intensity and... Implement some of the regenerative agricultural principles that we're you know subscribed to, and fencing off some of the creek, and revegetating some of the creek areas, and running more water troughs, and um and improving pastures. So we've um we've improved pastures by seeding some multi species to try and get you know other other root matter and other species into the pastures. We've spread compost, and we do lots of Trials and um, planting trees, and you know, um, and repurposing old infrastructure from the dairy. We proceeded to like, you know, renovate an old barn and um, repurpose some old calf pens and sheds into uh, um, another section of the farm that's run by another business. We under our same certification, um, sort of, we sublet out a, an acre into so some. People, friends of ours, that grow veggies and run chickens out on our pasture, so they run their business on our farm. And so, yeah, once we undertook all the reno, I suppose we we grow we grow organic beef. So we've got 130 cows and calves, and we've got about 50 or 60 head of um, a mob of cattle that are you know ready ready for slaughter.
1: A former musician, Georgina had to make some readjustments when stepping into farm life.
0: So I, myself, was, um, I'm from the city, I'm from Brisbane, and I was working in the music industry for a long while, and then then I sort of changed industry, did similar work, just in, in working in an office in construction, and then I met Sam, and he was a, you know, he's a farmer, and I moved out four hours west of Brisbane and lived out there on their property for, you know, close to 10 years um, on a conventional grain cropping farm and they had some cattle, 6,000 acres and and so I was just thrown into, into farm life really. Coming from a fairly um, productive and system efficiency type system, like, you know, work. And going out to farming, my <laughs> the first few years was was like I identified that they do a lot of rework and and there's a lot of um, I don't know, just one Easter I was out there and there was a leaking trough and so, you know, hours are spent hours and hours are spent digging to find the leak in the trough just for me to realise go over to the trough you know at the end of the day and say why didn't you just turn this tap off, you know the um, but, but farmers have a, a lot of patience, I think, that it probably uh, isn't. So, so their system maybe I don't know, I'm not speaking for all farmers. I'm only speaking for the one that I hung around a lot. He's uh, pretty patient and there's a fair bit of rework that goes on. And I think it's interesting that there's not more frustrated farmers out there. But they're out there doing it, right? Loving it. They all love it. They all love their job more than a lot of other people. So keeps them happy, I suppose.
1: Georgina places more importance on the impact on the environment and lifestyle of the cattle than she does on the specific breed.
0: The breed. So uh, we're not really um, into educated around or running any kind of genetic cattle per se. I mean, when we first or well, up in Mooney when where we lived, we were just we were trading cattle, so we had a trading operation we'd buy and fatten and sell. And certainly the the markets that you're selling into are dictated by some level of breed code. Um, and so Angus have you know have got a premium and have done for several years. So we probably came down here And when we bought some breeders, we would preference something with some Angus in it and we buy Angus stud bulls. But we're certainly not, um, you know, our breeders aren't some kind of genetic perfection. Um, They were just trade cattle that we were just acquiring to build up a mob, a herd. Uh, And then now we're a few years into it and now we're doing more with the beef side of it. I suppose we're getting more interested in what genetics can play in that kind of thing. Um, But I'm certainly coming at it from an angle that I think that the taste of the beef and the product that we create is more dictated to by the pasta that they're eating and the way that they're treated. I think that has a bigger impact but that's controversial because people that are in the world of genetics and cattle um, will argue with me and I'm not educated enough to say – Otherwise, I'm just sort of speaking from a very much experience where we've, you know, grown a Wagyu, we've grown a Hereford and taken the skins off and having a look at them, you know, marbling. It's, um, yeah, learning. I'm learning all the time but it's an area that I'm interested in learning a lot more about. What we have what we do, how we run the cattle here is we run them all in one, one mob. So, you know, they're... They're all pretty close um, and then we we have 40 or 50 paddocks and we we rotate them around and they often only have a day or less than a day in a paddock. Um, and so what that does is, you know, herd impact. So there's lots of manure and there's lots of filfaction and and then there's lots of time for those plants to recover in the time that they're spending. So we run between probably 20 to 50 or 60 days rest depending on the season. Um, and so the cattle are eating fresh pasture every day. So they're eating, you know, the ice cream pr- plants and what they really want to eat and, and what we're trying to do when these paddocks are, are resting is we're allowing new species to to grow. You know, they're being given the opportunity to – so we've got, you know, 15 or 16 species in some of these paddocks and, and that offers the cattle – um, a wider range of nutrition, basically, um, and so whilst you know whilst we're trying to do that, they you know they're happy. They like to be in a large mob, and they like to you know go onto fresh pasture every day. And we're not putting out any synthetic fertilizers. Um, to help the growth, we, I mean, we see that the, the rest is super powerful and in, you know, in the system and, and the seeds are all in the ground and it's really just giving the seeds and, you know, giving whatever species the opportunity to grow and, um, and we don't, you know, and so we're not killing any plants, any weeds as they call them that come particularly here on the coast we see them being very successional they come and they go again and what they do is fix a deficiency in the soil and you know that it it's become very obvious here you know like some really deep tap rooted weeds will come and you know and then they'll and then they'll be gone and they'll break down and so you know that's the, the cat, that's what the cattle are eating and that's how they're treated and um, yeah and we're farming much more, you know, it's it's beneficial for every everyone and everything, I think, the way that we not having to put any inputs into the ground.
1: To begin with, Georgina reached out to the local community and things took off from there.
0: When we came from out west, we were always doing sort of home-kill cattle for our own consumption. And so it was never anything I even considered doing. And then we came to the coast and we, we all of a sudden had these in-conversion organic cattle. Um, and I thought it's such a waste to be just sending them, selling them into the majority market, the, you know, the main market that exists is into feedlots and then they get grain finished and into, into supermarkets. Um, and I kind of felt disappointed that there wasn't another opportunity for our cattle to go into being you know 100% grass fed and grass finished and um, and so I sort of I just sort of tried to find whether or not butchers wanted to buy it or um, and I couldn't really I couldn't find anyone that was competitive as competitive as the feed lots and so that's where we were selling all of our wieners into and we were pulling off the odd one for our own consumption and and i just put it out to the local just you know 10 or 15 neighbors if anyone was interested in buying some and a couple of neighbors took us up on it and so a local butcher cut some up for us and you know i never really envisaged that it would become the way it did and what i did was speak to them and and start to understand that you know no one wanted a half beast anymore and no one wanted a quarter and it was so we just got smaller and smaller with our offering and um you know, and along the way I got some, you know, I did a, a course with Farmers to Founders and, and they sort of have guided me along in how to enter this retail world because it's a completely different world to um, agriculture. So there's been a lot of learnings and and trying, you know, navigating and changing and evolving along the way to try and get our meat used better. Like it's, it's a much more rewarding feeding a community than it is putting them all on the back of a truck. But it's not easy. We're still really just in Bellingen and locally around Coffs Harbour. There's a, f- a few stores that we're starting to sell it into down in some, some health food stores that are taking some of our sausages. Um, we make, yeah, our sausages are, Probably a more unique product because we have, you know, there's lots of red meat. You know, there's lots of there's not lots, but you know, there's a fair there's other brands, but our sausages are, um, yeah, they're fresh vegetables and herbs that are added just to beef. So there's nothing else in them, and um, we have a few different flavors. So we sort of package those up at the butcher, and they get dispatched to a few health food stores down to Port Macquarie, and up, you know, only probably as far as north of Coffs, and then we do some home delivery via another organic business um, and they just sort of do home delivery around the Coffs coast. Um, and then we've got a couple of, you know, a couple of shops in Bellingen that stock a health food shop, shop that's been stocking our, our product and, um, and a few restaurants now. We're, we're providing into a few Bellow restaurants. So, Bellingen Restaurants is buying some Bellow beef cuts and putting them on the specials menu, which is great.
1: Now, they have the support of the local chefs and restaurants too.
0: Going into restaurants, I think, has probably been one of the career highlights. Like, we had a festival of Bellow beef in January and um, 10 restaurants and food truck or, you know, food service providers took our beef and highlighted it for a two-week period um, on their menus and so getting around and eating eating it by you know when chefs have prepared it is like it's just it, you know it's a moment that it's all the vision has come together and it's all you know it's fantastic and and similarly on the farm we started doing this series of uh, events, paddock to plate dining events so where we get people onto the farm to eat our product and, uh, yeah, having having some – we were doing it for a long time. I was doing it in my kitchen for a long time and it was not five star <laughs> but it was home-cooked meals, you know, for for groups so we could feast together on the farm and people could understand what regenerative agriculture was all about, you know, and why – you know why people should be buying it, and why people should be supporting local farmers, and and that was great. But after a year, and you know, once we went over the threshold of what I could prepare in my kitchen, and then we got some chefs involved, and yeah, that you know that was a, another moment where we just I thought this is great. Like it's awesome. It's it makes me very fulfilled to see um, our produce being given the credit that it's due with the skills of a chef and someone that knows how to cook nose to tail.
1: Wanting to ensure they use every part of the cow, Georgina has created a range of value-add products.
0: What I saw happening when we started doing it was, you know, you, I mean, I was looking at lots of things. When you pick up the meat and you, you, know, you know that you've dropped off a well, you know that you've weighed a fat four hundred and fifty kilo beast, right? And you turn up and there's ten boxes. It's like, what's going on? So obviously half of it go goes at the abattoir, and and then it's still, it's like, where's the rest of it? And so then I just started speaking. I had a great relationship with this butcher, and you know he'd be like, well, there's two wheelie bins out the back full of this stuff, and I was like, well, what's that stuff good for? You know, like what? Why are we using all this? And so that's when I started, you know, delving into what we could do with all this stuff that was in the willy bins just going into landfill or whatever it was going. It was like um, and the fat was a big one and so we started taking all the fat back and making tallow um, and we started taking all the bones and making broth and all of the offal products which would, you know, otherwise be turned into dog food or I wanted it all so that I could get it into my kids. So we started making pâté um, and we put the kidney into one of our sausages and then we put the heart into one of our minces so that people were getting the the nutrition of the offal into a product um, without the ickiness or the not, not knowing what to do with it and how to get it into them, you know, liver's the single most, nutritious food on the planet, grass-fed beef liver. It's like no one wants to eat it fried up with onions. I mean I do but no one else in my family does. So I started making pate and, um, yeah, and so those things, the broth gets rid of like there's a 30% of the carcass sometimes, you know, is, is bones. And so it's a huge amount of bones to deal with and to process and I don't want them to be wasted because I know what goodness can come out of them. So we started making broth and selling broth and um, that was really popular and so I found a broth manufacturer up um, and they, you know, and they've sort of commercialised that range and, yeah, we want to do the same thing with the tallow and the pâté.
1: Having built an incredible model for a farm, They've built the foundation to take it anywhere from here.
0: Well, I'm a bit of a person that likes to have new ideas all the time and right now this is a canvas of like unlimited opportunity. <laughs> so we came here with this plan to renovate an old dairy farm and then move back out west in two years' time. And after two years, it was like, oh, we might just stretch that out to three years. And now it's been four and we're not going to move back out west um, we're going to stay here but it's like I don't know how long that piece of string is you know we never I never thought that we would share this farm with veggie growers and I never thought that we you know that we would have a barn where we host events and I never thought that we'd start farm stay accommodation and we now have you know three accommodation offerings on the farm where we and and guests can come and there's a communal shared kitchen and a couple of outdoor showers and but, again, it's all sort of grown quite organically with, like, what we're doing, just get people to learn about what's going on and where their food comes from and how powerful food is and and why we should be paying more attention to what we're putting in our mouth and, you know, health, pretty passionate about health, human health and um, and that just comes from, you know, experience and trying to fix health in my own family and it's like how how we all become so oblivious to the fact that. You know, so what's the best part about living on the farm? It's, it's that we're growing our own super nutritious food and I know where it's coming from and I have an abundance of it and I can access it whenever I want it. And, you know, that's the best thing about living here.
1: At Leavenvale Farm, Georgina and Sam have found a recipe to not only feed the local community with quality organic bellow beef, but they've created a model that nourishes the soil and uses every last bit of the beast too. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of producers, farmers, makers and growers, the true lifeblood of the food industry. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast, or email us at producerspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au.